How many of you have heroes in your life? Anybody? I see a couple hands. Heroes. Maybe your hero um, goes by the name of Batman or Superman or Spider-Man or something like that. I've got a hero in my life, and he goes by the name of Dad. My dad is my hero, and, and many of you, you haven't, probably haven't gotten the opportunity to meet my mom and dad yet, but you will um, at some point. They'll be down here a lot um, because our grand, their grandbabies are here, you know, and so wherever grandbabies are, that's where grandparents are, you know, and so that's how that happens. So pretty soon, I'm sure you'll get the opportunity to meet um, my mom and dad, and I love my mom. My mom is very close to my heart. I don't want to take away anything from her, but my dad He's my hero. He's my best friend. There's, there's literally nothing that man cannot do. In fact, any time that I've ever had a problem in my life that, that I just couldn't figure out, I knew that there was one person I could always call. And I, I would call my dad, and he would, always, he would always provide some sort of solution. And it was like the greatest thing ever. Like He immediately just knew how to fix stuff in my life. And my dad, throughout the years, he's taught me quite a lot. He's taught me things like how to change a tire, He's taught me what it means to love your wife in an appropriate way. He's taught me how to be a good father. He's taught me things like the importance of being generous to others. And the list could go on and on. And I could spend the next exhaustive amount of time just telling you all the things that my dad has taught me. But in addition to the things that he's taught me, he's also passed down some things genetically to me. For example, my dad is very handsome. Some of you guys will get that on the drive home, but that's okay. Um, yeah, my dad's a handsome guy, and I would like to think, and I didn't even get an amen from my wife. How terrible is that? Um, but I would like to think that he's passed some of that on to me. You know what else my dad has passed down to me? My dad has this uncanny ability to fall asleep, like, just anywhere, like, it doesn't matter what's going on. Like, he just, he, he just gets comfortable and just, he can just fall asleep. And we give him a hard time about it. We laugh about it and everything. And, and, and he always says, well, you know, you could do the same thing if you didn't have a guilty conscience. And I'm like, well, touche, you know. Um, and so my dad, it's, it's funny, you know, he'll, we'll be watching TV or whatever. We'll be visiting and we'll just look over and dad's asleep. And here's the scary thing. It's starting to happen to me, too. <laughs> He's passed this down to me. And, and we can be watching TV at the house or, you know, a ball game is on or something like, like, for example, this afternoon, I will go home and I will turn on a football game or something like that. We'll be, we'll be watching it on TV and I will have no idea how it ends. I will just wake up and the game will be over and I'll have to open up the, the app on my phone to find out what the score was or anything. And, and it, it's, it's getting worse and worse and worse. In fact, Sarah, some of the time, she, she says like, she's like, Blake, Blake. And I, I, you know, it kind of like arouses me and everything. And I, like, I, I, come, I come out of, out of my sleep and everything. She's like, how can you be asleep? We were having a conversation like 10 seconds ago. And and it's, it's happened, but, but I've come up with a solution. I'm just going to start telling Sarah that, that I'm just trying to be more like Jesus. Because, because Jesus took naps. He did. It's a, it's a fact. If you don't believe me, turn to Mark chapter 4. I'm going to prove it to you. Mark chapter 4. We're going to go to the end of the chapter, starting in verse 35. Jesus took naps. I want to be like Jesus. 
It says, that evening, verse 35 of Mark chapter 4, that evening, Jesus said to his followers, let's go across the lake. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him in the boat just as he was. There were also other boats with them. A very strong wind came up on the lake. The waves came over the sides and into the boat so that, that it was already full of water. Jesus was at the back of the boat sleeping with his head on a cushion. Told you he took naps. His followers woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care that we are drowning? Jesus stood up and commanded the wind and the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind stopped, and it became completely calm. And Jesus said to his followers, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The followers were very afraid and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. You know, these days when a storm arises in our life, um, particularly here in this area, you know, in, in terms of hurricanes and stuff, we hear the term first responders thrown around a lot. First responders, and that's usually a reference made towards like, the, the policemen or the firefighters or military or government personnel, people that are going to the aid of those that are affected by the storm. But, but I would like to submit to you that, that those aren't actually the first responders to storms. The first responders when storms arise are, are you and me. We're the first people to respond or to react to that storm. And, and, and this passage for today, it kind of presents this idea that we have two Two particular ways in which we can respond, and that's either we respond out of fear or we respond in faith. And it's this fear versus faith that it's, it kind of presents this, this tension then that has to be dealt with, almost like we're, we're kind of hung up in this tug of war and we're being pulled one way or the other to try to choose how we are going to respond to the storms in our life. And the reason there's so much tension there is, is really because of a, a couple reasons um, in particular in, in dealing with these storms. Is the first thing is that storms are powerful. The reason we, we're tempted to, to respond in fear is because storms are powerful. And there's three ways that these storms are powerful. Number one, storms are powerful because they are sudden. Because they're sudden. In verse 37 it says, A very strong wind came up on the lake. Storms often sneak up on us without any kind of warning. And no doubt they did on the disciples that day. They were on the Sea of Galilee, and it was at night, and the storms on the Sea of Galilee didn't typically happen at night. The Sea of Galilee, Pastor Jim talked about it last week. I'll refresh your memory. It, it's 680 feet below sea level. And on the surface, it's very, very moist, humid, semi-tropical kind of, uh, of an environment there. And it's surrounded by these cliffs, these mountains on, on all sides. And, and they extend into the air approximately 2,000 feet. And what happens is cold, cold wind comes over the top of those mountains and then down into this, this, uh, this bowl where the Sea of Galilee is located and storms uh, arise very quickly because that cold air interacts with the hot, humid air. And then all of a sudden, like from one minute to the next, you can go from a calm sea to 20-foot waves. And that's what the disciples were experiencing that day. But had they known that the storm was coming, chances are they probably would have just stayed on the shore. 
See, that's the thing about storms. They, they come up suddenly. See, chances are you weren't expecting to get the pink slip at your office. You probably weren't expecting to be in that car accident. You weren't expecting to get a bad report from the doctor. You were not expecting to be served divorce papers. But all of a sudden, one phone call, one doctor visit, one tick of the clock, it's changed everything. And now you find yourself in the storm of your life because storms are sudden. The second reason that storms are powerful is because they are severe. They can do some serious damage. The disciples found this to be true. It said that the waves came over the sides of the boat so that it was already full of water. In the blink of an eye, the disciples went from sailing to sinking. See, many of these guys, they were, they were seasoned fishermen. They, they had um, they'd been on this water their entire lives. They'd experienced storms like this before, but it was dark this time. They couldn't see how close they were to the shore. And all they knew is right there in their boat that water was spilling over the edges and it was causing the boat to fill up with water and that if they didn't do something, they were going to drown. See, here's what storms do in our life. Storms swallow up hope. When the disciples set out that day, they had hope that they were going to make it to the other side. But when the storm arose, immediately that hope was sucked away. And now they're terrified and they're fearing for their life. Storms are sudden, storms are severe, and then storms are also powerful because of their source. Consider the storms that you faced in your life. Maybe it's a storm of suffering. You know, these are the things that happen when when one thing after another continues to go wrong. It just seems like that no matter what you do, no, no matter what happens, just nothing goes the way that you're expecting it to. Nothing goes the right way. And then those things, they, they start to stack upon each other and get compacted. And then you find yourself bogged down and weighed down and, and, and suffocating underneath the affliction that's come your way in a storm of suffering. Or maybe it's a storm of sorrow. Maybe, maybe you've lost a loved one. And that person's been taken from you by death, and you're left hurting and shaken by the loss. Perhaps it's a storm of sin. Maybe the consequences of wrong choices that have created this pattern in your life, they've, they've come up to rear their ugly head, and they're leaving a wake of destruction in your life and in your relationships with other people. Storms are, are, are powerful, and, and the, the power of these storms then leads to problems that we have to face. And, and it stems from this idea of faith versus facts. Problems arise whenever we face a storm because we're having to choose to act on what we see or what we can't see. We're having to choose to act upon, do we cower to the wind and the waves, or do we, do we behave in a way that is contrary to that, the unseen? We step out in faith. And this number one, the number one problem that arises when this happens is, is this problem of doubt. Storms cause us to doubt. They remove all of the hope in a situation, and then they cause us to doubt where we're at in life. 
the position that we find, them, we find ourselves, whether or not we're going to be able to make it through. And the disciples, no doubt, they were filled with doubt that day. See, storms, they cause us to doubt God's goodness. They cause us to doubt God's goodness. In verse 38, the disciples, they go to Jesus and they say, Teacher, don't you care? Does anybody else find this shocking? That all of a sudden, the disciples, they've, they've experienced this storm to come up, and, and they're going to Jesus, and they're saying, don't you care? They've forgotten that Jesus cares about them. They failed to consider his track record here. See, these are the guys that they've been with Jesus. They've, they've seen him cast out demons. They've seen him heal the sick. They've seen him restore the disabled. But yet in this moment where they face this storm, all of a sudden they, the pendulum swings to the other extreme, and now they're accusing Jesus of not caring. What is it about storms that when they come into our life, we, we take God's previous track record, his protection and his provision in our lives, and, and we cast it to the side, and we have the audacity to shake our fist at heaven and say, Why, God? Why are you doing this to me? What is it about that? Why all of a sudden when a storm arises, do we push everything else aside? We forget everything that God's word tells us about who God is, and we throw a pity party for ourselves and think, man, I'm not going to make it out of this. But consider God's track record. Psalm 145 verse 9, it says this. It says, the Lord is good to everyone. He is merciful to all he has made. Psalm 100, verse 5, I read it earlier. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness is to all generations. But yet when a storm arises, we forget that. And instead, we doubt his goodness. The second kind of doubt, the second thing doubt does is it causes us to doubt God's grace. Verse 38, the disciples, not only did they accuse Jesus of of, um, of not caring about them, but they, they tell him as if he didn't know. We are drowning! They're saying, not only do you not care, but we're going to perish, we're going to die. See, they very quickly forgot it was Jesus who got them out on the water in the first place. Jesus was the one that said, hey boys, we're going to the other side of the lake, let's, let's get in the boat and go. Jesus is the one that got them in that situation. I love the, I love the language of, of the book of Isaiah in the message right here. Um, um, it says, it says when, you, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you cross rivers, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, nor will the flames hurt you. This is because I, the Lord, am your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. The waters don't matter. The flames don't matter. I, the Holy One of Israel, am your Savior. And I'm the one who's gotten you into this situation. And if I can get you to it, then I can get you through it. That's what God wants us to know today, is that if, if he's going to bring us to something, because remember, he's the one that told the disciples, let's go out on the lake. If he's going to bring us to something, then he's capable of bringing us through something. We can't doubt his grace 
his provision in our life. The third thing the storms cause us to doubt, not just his goodness or his grace, but it causes us to doubt God's guarantee. Verse 35, Jesus told the disciples, let's go across the lake. See, right there, Jesus had already told them what was going to happen. They were going across the lake. Notice what it didn't say. It didn't say, let's go to the middle of the lake and drown. That's not what it says there. It says, let's go across the lake. Had the disciples simply taken Jesus at his word, they would have known what was going to happen. They would have known that they weren't in any danger. They would have been able to face the storm without fear. But immediately the storm arises and they've forgotten the words of Jesus. But if you and I, if we're going to make it through the storms that we face, we've got to remember God's word and we've got to take him at that word. Matthew 25, Jesus says, so I tell you, do not worry. Romans 8, 28, we know that in everything, God works for the good of those who love him. See, the problem is, the breakdown is, is that when, when storms arise in our life, the reason that tension comes in and the reason we struggle with it and the reason the problem of doubt creeps up and separates us from, from God and, and, and where we ought to be is because we focused on our situation instead of focusing on our Savior. See, the disciples, they were looking outside of the boat that day. They were looking at the wind and the rain and the waves and the thunder and the lightning. They just needed to turn around and look at the back of the boat. Jesus is with us. We're good. We can't focus on our situation. We've got to focus on our Savior, who if he's going to lead us to something, then he will lead us through something. So yes, storms are powerful. Yes, and storms are problematic. But storms are also purposeful. See, before the boat ever left the shore that day, Jesus knew that that storm was coming. Jesus, he orchestrated it just so that he and the disciples, they were going to find themselves right in the middle of that storm that day. He knew that it was going to happen. See, sometimes God is going to allow storms to come up in our life, not to destroy us, but instead to develop us. See, when you walk through a storm and you come out on the other side, you are better than you were before you went in. There are some things that have happened in your heart, in your soul, in your life, in your spirit that make you different. Storms can change you. And so the disciples, Jesus knew he wanted to change them through this experience. And so they charted a course, the leading of Jesus, that took them right into a major storm. But the disciples, they gained some valuable insights that day about their heavenly father and, and, and who he is. And I think those insights remain true for us today. And, and so if you're facing a storm in your life, I want you to consider these insights that Jesus used that day to develop his disciples and allow them to develop you as well. Number one, storms give us insight into God's promises. Storms give us insight into God's promises. Just like Jesus said, they made it to the other side. If you don't believe me, 
Turn just one more page in the book of Mark, and you'll see that there is a chapter 5. It doesn't just end right there in chapter 4. And they're like, well, that's it. You know, we don't know what happened. They died right there. No, verse, chapter 5, verse 1, it says they made it to the other side. And the book of Mark continues for several other chapters. There were many more events that happened after this one moment. Simply put, God's as good as his word. If he says it, then you can bake on it. If God said it's going to happen, that's where you, you cash in, right? You, you move all your chips to that side right there because you can bank on that's what's going to happen. God said they were going to the other side. They went to the other side. Hebrews 6, 18 through 20 says, We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands. And never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God where Jesus, running on ahead of us, has taken up his permanent post as high priest for us. That promise that you and I can grab a hold of with both hands is this. God will do what he says he will do. That's what you and I have to grab a hold of anytime a storm comes up in our life, that God is going to do what he said he would do. And we can take hold of that, and that will carry us through. So the first insight is that storms give us insight into God's promises. The second one, storms give us insight into God's presence. Verse 36 says that there were also other boats with them that night. Out of all the boats on the water that night, there was one that was different than all of the other ones. There was one that had Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He was sleeping in the back of it. And here's the thing. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us what happened to the rest of those vessels that night. They could have sunk right there. They could be at the bottom of the Sea of Galilee right now for all we know. I don't, I don't know what happened to him. I, was, I wasn't there. But I have a record that, that says that the, the boat that had Jesus in it, it made it to the other side. Out of all the boats on the water that night, I'll tell you which one I would have wanted to be in. That's the one with Jesus in it. See, whenever you face a storm in your life, the greatest thing that you can do is be sure that Jesus is in your boat. We don't know the outcome of those other boats, but we do know the outcome of the one that had Jesus in it. It's on the other side. Those people lived. God took care of them. Don't go it alone. Don't try to handle things yourself. When a storm arises, look around and be sure that Jesus is in your boat. And if he's not, get him in there or jump to the boat that he is in. Because that's what carried them through to the other side. It's his presence. See, storms have a way of driving a wedge between us and God. But if we will allow it, a storm can be the perfect opportunity to draw us closer to the presence of the Father. And that is what made all the difference that day. The disciples, they came to realize that the thing that got them through, the thing that got them to the other side was that the presence of the Lord, Jesus himself in human form, was right there in the boat with them. So when you face a storm, be sure that Jesus 
is in your boat. We get insights about his promises. We get insights about his presence. The third insight, storms give us insight into God's peace. The disciples were freaking out in this passage. I mean, flipping out, losing their mind. They thought that it was right there, like their lives were flashing before their eyes in the night sky. And they thought, well, boys, this is it. We're going down. And then they turned to Jesus, and my man is sleeping. Like, Mark includes something in this passage that the, that the, other, uh, the other versions of this story in, in, in Matthew and Luke don't include. It says that Jesus, not only was he sleeping, but he had his head on a cushion. Okay, that tells me that he didn't just like nod off as the boat was going. He was, he was being intentional about what he was doing. Jesus, knowing that the storm was coming, rolled up a cushion, put his head on it, and laid down and went to sleep. He was comfortable. It wasn't something that just happened. Like, he set out to go to sleep. You know? He didn't just... He set out to make it happen. And so the, the disciples, that they go, they go there, and they see that Jesus is sleeping... And they're flipping out, and Jesus, he's cool as a cucumber. And it made me think, you know, like, what do we say when something's, like, really easy? We say, man, that's so easy, I could do it in my sleep. Like, if you think, like, that's what's going on. Like, what, wind, wave, storm? Ah, I got that. That's so easy, I can take care of it in my sleep. And that's what Jesus was doing. He was chill. He knew that he was right in the middle of God's will. He wasn't worried because he could handle it in his sleep. The kingdom of heaven, he knew it, the kingdom of heaven doesn't have emergencies. There is, there's nothing on earth, no, no earthly situation or circumstance that could ever shake or rattle the throne of God. And so Jesus, he's able to rest easy. He's able to rest easy during all of this. Take some of his peace. Today, for those of you that are facing a storm, and know you can rest easy. You can be intentional about your rest because God's got this, even in his sleep. The third thing, or the fourth thing, storms give us insight not only into his promises, his presence, his peace, but storms also give us insight into God's person. God's person. The disciples said, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. The disciples learned that day that not only was Jesus sleeping, but he was in complete control of the situation. There was never a moment then, there will never be a moment when God isn't in charge. Nothing's catching him off guard. He's not fretting chewing his fingernails, trying to figure out how he's going to address the situation. He's got this. He's got this. That's who he is. He's in control. Finally, the last thing. They give us insight into his promises. They give us insight into his presence. Storms give us insight into his peace. They give us insight into his person. And finally, storms give us insight into God's power. God's power. 
Jesus stood up, the Bible says, Jesus stood up and commanded the wind and said to the waves, Quiet! Be still! And then the wind stopped and it became completely calm. First off, he stood. When someone stands up, it's because they're commanding authority over a situation. See, Jesus didn't take the situation of the storm lying down. He, he was lying down, but when it came time to act, he stood up because he wanted to command authority. He wasn't just going to lay there with his head on the pillow and say stuff. No, he wanted to stand up. He wanted to show who he was, that he was large and in charge over the situation. So he stood up, and then he commanded the storm. He spoke two words. The word quiet, you go back to the original translation in the Greek, it's actually the word siopao, and it literally means, it's a great southern word, it means hush. You can look it up, I promise, I'm not lying to you. Those of you with kids, this is a word that you use all the time, because they're in the backseat of the car running that mouth, and you're trying to pay attention to the road signs and the, the GPS and everything. You're just trying to get to Disney World, and they are getting on your everlasting nerve, and you're like, hush! And they know, if they don't listen, Disney World may not be a reality. You know what I'm talking about. You use that word hush, and they know, don't step beyond that line. That's the word Jesus is using right there. He's telling them to hush. And that second word, be still, it's actually the Greek word thimao. I love this. It means to literally to close the mouth as with a muzzle. To close the mouth as with a muzzle. And when I think about that, when I hear those words, I'm talking about hush and like putting a muzzle on something, I think of, I think of like a vicious, snarling, rabid dog, you know, fangs bared, growling, foaming at the mouth and everything, you know, poised for attack. And that is the last place that we would want to find ourselves. None of us would look at a dog like that and say, yep, that's a yard I want to be in. No, we always want to be on the other side of the fence. But when these storms arise in our lives, a lot of times it can, it can appear just like that. It, it can, there, there's impending doom and danger right there. We know that we are about to get messed up. But then I want you to think. I want you to imagine a dog like that in the, backed into a corner, and it's ready to pounce. It's threatened. It's barking. It's growling. It's, it's, just, it's the very picture of evil. But then I want you to imagine a, a, a trainer that comes in and, and puts a muzzle on that dog's snout and with a few simple commands, has that dog laying down at its feet. There's no more barking. There's no more growling or snarling. No more foaming at the mouth. The, the dog is calm and still, reduced to a whimper, and the threat is neutralized. See, that's what Jesus can do in the situation of our storms today. Maybe the doctor's report said cancer. You know what Jesus says? He says, hush, be still. Maybe your spouse said that they don't love you anymore and that they want a divorce. You know what Jesus says? He says, hush, be still. Maybe the bank called and said foreclosure, but Jesus called and said, hush, be still. 
Maybe the voices in your head are saying, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not whatever enough. But Jesus is saying, hush. Be still. See, it doesn't really matter what kind of storm you're facing today, what kind of storm you will face tomorrow. The fact of the matter is that Jesus is saying, hush. Be still. It's calm. It's quiet. There's a muzzle on it. It's shut down. The threat is neutralized. Hush. Be still. See, the disciples, they learned something that day that I hope that we can learn today as well. And that is that regardless of what storms come our way, regardless of what we may face in this life. That if if Jesus is in the boat with us, we don't have to worry because he's in control. And if we find ourselves in, in a boat like that that makes its way through the pathway of a storm, you and I, with Jesus in our boat, we can say, come what may, it is well with my soul. Because I know that my God is in control. It is well with me because I know that Jesus is right here. He's going to take care of me. It's so easy for him. He can do it in his sleep. So over your life today and the storms that you face, I want to proclaim these words, the very words of Jesus. Hush. Be still. If that's you, maybe you came in here and you're facing some pretty significant stuff. The band's getting ready to lead us in a song, and I want us to all just kind of make this our anthem. Those very words, it is well with my soul. That's what this song is all about. It's what it says. I want you to make this your proclamation to your heavenly father this morning that God no matter what comes my way no matter what storms stir up in my life I'm proclaiming that it is well with my soul because I know that you've got me you've got my back you're not going to allow me to be destroyed I'm putting my trust in you because you are in complete control hush Be still.